That was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, in sync on another level. That's beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> but also, hello, I'm Drew. And I'm Olivia. And we are Oddly Curious. And thank you for joining us. <laughs> and today is our 10th episode. Yay! Which it feels like, I can't believe it's 10 episodes. I know. But because I feel like a lot of time has gone by. Yeah, but also... Not. I'm like, wow, already 10 episodes, but yeah, time is weird. Time is weird. Time doesn't exist. No. It's a construct. I mean, I think. That's what they tell me. Who's they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. I know. It feels like a long time. Which we keep saying that, but it's also like, I think it's just because I don't remember when I saw you last and it could have been not that long ago. I think in reality, it's only been a couple weeks. Yeah. But it just feels like it a feels long like time. a long time. Yeah. Um, what's new with you? Let's see. What is new? Not really a whole lot. We've both seen Barbie. Oh my gosh. That's right. In since the last episode to now, Barbie came out and Barbie has Barbied our lives. And I my life was like already Barbied, mm-hmm. but it's like Barbied times two. Now. Yeah. It's what I've been waiting for my whole life. Yes, I will I will say Olivia is more Barbie than I am in life, even though I did I did like Barbie mm-hmm. growing up and I had Barbies. I had a lot of, uh, what is it called? Hand-me-down Barbies, mm-hmm. which were the fun ones because they were all from the 80s and they had fun 80s clothes. That was really cool. I think she hit her fashion peak in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Not that her fashion's bad now, but I'm like, there was something about 80s Barbies clothes that were just like so much velour and so much shiny mm-hmm. and so many poofs. And her hair was so big. So big. Ugh. It was full of secrets. <laughs> I just, and I loved, they had the most dramatic lives in my room. Ken was always cheating on her, but with like <laughs> nobody, like, cause there wasn't very many Barbies. So he was like cheating on her with some unknown named person. I'm like, I don't know why she was. Other Ken. Other. Oh, probably. Probably. I mean. Who knows? But uh, yeah. So I think you are the Barbie in this world. That is so nice of you to say. But I mean, like, that's what I think of. As yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I escaped from Barbie Land and now I regret it. <laughs> I would too. I know. Like, I don't know where I escaped from. That's some. That's like that's a story from another time. <laughs> um, anything new with you? Let's see. Because I don't remember time anymore. Oh. Not this last week, but the week prior, because of my job, I I have, I move around a lot. Not like large distances, just locations. Mm-hmm. And I did work at the beach for four days in a row. That's nice. Yeah. My work paid for a hotel. The bummer thing about working at the beach is that you see the beach all day. You're working nine hours, but then when you get off... You're like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. You're like, there it is. There it is. But that was a that was like a fun little highlight. It was almost like 
I got paid to be on vacation, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it wasn't a vacation. Yeah. Which is because it's like, well, I can't really afford to vacation right now anyway. I know. So please. I'll just <laughs> stare at the ocean and be like, okay, well, I'll go to bed early. Yeah. As far as I get on vacation is our pool, which is very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I still need to come. I know. I have my blow up, uh, major cat beach ball, which I still <gasps> need right. to bring. Yes. And then I don't know if I'll be able to blow it up and bring it over, but I have um, a floaty Lapras, which is the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the Pokemon that looks like the Loch Ness Monster. It's fun to play so on. Cute. That was a gift from... One of my nice roommates. When we uh, go to the pool, we like to, they have like a tiny little basketball hoop and you can shoot baskets in the pool. Oh, that would be fun. And the other day when one of your roommates came over and uh, the three of us went to the pool, we were playing horse, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like in elementary uh-huh. school. Was anyone a horse? Uh, Yeah, I believe Ashley was the horse. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. When we were little, she would always beat me. But my husband has given me some basketball lessons, so. It does help. It's his All the credit goes to him. He gets basketball credit. Yeah. Do you have any, um, like, podcasts or movie recs? My movie rec is the Barbie movie, which I feel like that's everyone's. Yeah. What? And if it's not, then please don't talk to us. Oh, right. What did I <laughs> No, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did start listening to Why Can't We Talk About Amanda's Mom? Which is a cold case that has so many wild twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that um the mom was a sex worker and mm-hmm. they just they did not treat the case with respect. But the mm-hmm. way she died was pretty terrible and the yeah like major trigger warning yeah yeah so be careful um but it's handled really respectfully Mm -hmm. and i haven't finished it yet because i i was listening to it while i was working and then life you recommended it to me and i already finished the whole thing you did did. oh (laughs) but the thing is i have had my brain i'm like spoiler alert i got analysis is spoiler I have ADHD, so, like, I will hear things Mm -hmm. and then six months later be like, that's what I wanted to listen to, Mm -hmm. this one. And so then I'll start it, and then I have so many podcasts that I'm in the middle of where I just need to go back to. Yeah. Plus, I my job allows me to listen to podcasts, so I have more time to... Right. You don't have to interact with people. Go through, which is my favorite. Yeah, that's nice. I interact (laughs) with so many people. (laughs) And you know how people can be. Mm-hmm. People be peopling. They really do. Uh, like, for instance, the last time I worked, um, I heard an older lady yell at the doctor, get away from me, I hate you. Which, <laughs> to me, was like, you know, respect to her. <laughs> I'm sure we would all love to say that. The doctor in question is actually wonderful. There's nothing to be alarmed with. I think it was just like... It was just like you're sitting there mind your own business and then you hear that screamed and you're just like, all right, so it's this kind of Friday. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes even if it's a nice doctor, if you don't want to go to the doctor, that's just how you feel. Yep. Um, I have a podcast recommendation. 
I'm ready. I need to remember the name of it. So it's called Believable, the Coco Berthman story. And it's a Dear Media podcast. And definitely trigger warning for this podcast as well. Mm. But uh, it's really interesting because this girl, she became internet famous because she was sharing her story of surviving sex trafficking as a young child growing up in Germany. But like a lot of the things in her story just really don't make sense or they're like super outlandish. And it's one of those things where it's like probably there's some truth to Mm -hmm. it, but then because of mental illness or trauma, she's just like really, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Uh embellishing embellished thank you embellished it so it's a uh oh my gosh i'm losing words today a journalist that is looking into the podcast and she's like trying to interview coco i don't think they've gotten to interview coco yet but interviewed coco's mom and like some people that have known her and she definitely is at some aspects a scammer but it's just like how much of it is a scam and how right. much isn't. So anyway, it's really interesting. It's a reminiscent of like the Million Little Pieces book that came out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this is a harrowing story. And then, oh, it's probably not all true. Yeah. So that one's really interesting. That is, sounds good. And then <laughs> I'm I'm such a dork because, you know, I've been watching Murder, She Wrote. Which is great. And apparently there are several Murder, She Wrote podcasts. And what? Oh my gosh, I have to start <laughs> listening to those. I'm listening to one called Cabot Cove Confidential. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and it's really cute because it's a married couple that is doing it together. And I just think they're like a super cute couple anyway. But the wife was already like really into Murder, She Wrote and has like watched the whole series through. But now they're both going back and watching it and like, doing recaps and ratings of each episode and it's just delightful i love that yeah so that i need it i need to start that because i i also haven't um watched murder she wrote in a while mm-hmm. but there was a time like especially during the pandemic i was like oh she's making me feel so safe i know <laughs> i was just talking about that with my father-in-law because we both like murder she wrote Oh, he does? Oh, that makes me like him even more. And we're like, Angela Lansbury is just so comforting. Yeah. She she was a national treasure. You know, she still is. She still is in our hearts. She's like British Betty White. She really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm trying to think of if there was another. Some I feel like there's something that I was listening to on the tip of my tongue that uh, I just can't even think i'll probably think of it for next time um but i'm kind of like with tv shows mm-hmm. i will just watch something that is comforting so yeah. then i'll i will re-listen to old podcasts oh me too <laughs> yeah. yes we are the re-listeners aka mentally ill oh yeah <laughs> like high five on that <laughs> okay so We are trying to do a new thing Mm -hmm. where we're going to try and have a theme each week for the podcast. Which I actually think is kind of fun because it'll help me stay on track with what I'm doing. Me too. Which, I mean, yeah, it helps us. 
But then it's kind of exciting because it's like, well, what did you find for this theme? Mm -hmm. So episode 10. Technically, last week was last week. It was two weeks ago. Mm. Episode nine was the first theme mm -hmm. for sharks. This this is like the first official we're theming. Yeah. We're like sharks brought it to us with their little <laughs> cuteness. And sharks now... are the gateway to <laughs> themes. Sharks are just the gateway to a lot of things. Yeah. But this week's theme is poison. Yeah. Not the band. This episode is poison. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's a poison song? Um, oh, my gosh. It's... Is... That, that's a British I, band, I yeah? I feel like the one I am thinking of is actually... Whitesnake. I always get yeah, them confused. Uh, someone's yelling at us and they're like... Um, Every rose has its thorn. <gasps> that's a poison one? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Oh, they're from... Pennsylvania. It's probably because White Snake's from England. I get all of those bands kind of become one where I'm like, even Motley Crue, I don't know them very well. They just, if they have hair and mm -hmm. spandex, they're all one band. I forget, is it White Snake or is it Scorpion that has Sebastian Bach? That's the other one I could, could <laughs> like to be they're all one band. White Scorpion Poison. I think, I'm pretty sure it's Sebastian Bach. Sebastian Bach. Let's find out. I like saw him first on Gilmore Girls, and then I found out afterwards that he was a real oh, rock star. White Snake is from England. Hold on, let's go to Scorpion. So he's probably a Scorpion. A Scorpion, yeah, because he's American. Yeah, yeah. Or he's just like, "Hey guys, what up?" I'm with these British dudes. Oh, Scorp. It's Scorpions. What? Why did I always think it was not? I thought it was singular. Is this the Mandela effect? It might be. Yeah, Rock You Like a Hurricane by Scorpions. I thought it was. I, uh, I, I apologize like to the Scorpions. Well, they're from Germany. Bach is a German last name. Hold on. Watch, he's like probably not even. <laughs> I'm like, do you mean Johann Sebastian Bach, the composer? <laughs> We're like, I saw him on Gilmore Girls. His hair like, was so what big. Are you talking about. <laughs> Wow, he's so tall. He was born in the Bahamas. He's 6'3". And he has fabulous hair. And um, guess what band he's in? What? Skid Row. <laughs> That's another one. It's not even close. <laughs> so every rose has its thorn. And we every podcast has its Skid Row mess ups and scorpions. We started so on track, <laughs> so and then track. we got to Sebastian. <sighs> okay, is that his real name, or was he just really into the classic? Did his parents just give him the raddest name ever? Oh no, his name is Sebastian Philip Birk. His stage name is Sebastian Bach because he's like. Ayo, gotta get that. <laughs> gotta get that big hair and wearing a cravat. I don't know. It's really funny because, Ugh. like, I I can imagine his voice in my head so well. So imagining him saying that is really funny. To me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to poison. Yes. Where this is a poison episode. Yep. And I go first. Yeah. And are we ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Are we ready? Yes. I mean, are we? Okay. I am ready. Okay. I'm sorry. Me too. Resist. Okay. 
So today, Olivia, I have for you uh, Shields Green, mm-hmm. also known as the Deadly Victorian Arsenic Dresses, and then parentheses, Dresses and Beyond. My resources um, are the Paris Review article called Shields Green, The Color of Fake Foliage and Death <laughs> by Katie Kelleher. An article from Medium called Looks That Kill, Shields Green, The Prettiest Shade of Arsenic by Ashley Nicole Hunter. Arrakt.com. Dot com. Wow. It's got a little bit Australian. Dot com. <clears throat> article the history of green dye is a history of death by jennifer wright and of course wikipedia okay so we are in the mid 1800s mm-hmm. in uh, victorian era europe it's like my favorite time right it is well i mean it is really lovely but there were so many I should say, my favorite time to read about. Read about. Like, <laughs> well, you don't want to visit. No, I don't want to be there. No. The more I read about Victorian England, the more I'm like, you know, I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay not having those sores on my face. Okay. <laughs> so we're in the Victorian era, and we're also in the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And because of this, many people are enjoying its prosperity, but due to the same fact... Um, there is a less enjoyable, um, I guess, uh, what's the word? Wow, I'm starting off real strong. Like a cause and effect, this is good for people having, you know, more jobs, more mm-hmm. money. However, people are watching their green fields and clean air get replaced by factories, smog, and grime. Capitalism. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and this was a time when Londoners and Parisians alike were concerned that their streets had turned gray with pollution and gas lighting had just been invented and became more commonplace. Mm-hmm. So they could not hide the fact that their um, grimy scenery was all around them with dim candle lighting. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, a, well, if I can't see it, it's not there. Now they have brighter lights even at night and they're like, man, this is such a bummer. And that's gas lighting, the light fixture, not the... Uh trying to make someone think they're crazy right (laughs) actually maybe both maybe both but probably just the light yeah (laughs) fixture so they would have to take note of the the travesty their landscape had become people became nostalgic for what they'd lost um they were nostalgic for toiling in the fields and being at the countryside and women would be nostalgic for when men were men apparently they were not as happy when men had white collar jobs and would, you know, go to smoke and drink somewhere. And they were just like, what happened to the old times? Turns out every time in history, someone's been like, I just feel like the past was better. It's kind of like the uh, midnight in Paris effect. Mm -hmm. And also probably the people who are like, Oh, I miss when people worked in the fields. Those people were not actually working in the fields. That miss it. They, yeah. (laughs) They're like, my hands are grateful I'm not working in the fields. Except they're now working in a factory. I don't know which is better. I don't know. However, um, because of this, they became interested in protecting green spaces. So they now have urban landscapes. They have public parks, uh, public gardens. So there was, you know, something good coming out of this. However, parks were outside. And because of smog and pollution, 
people wanted their outside inside. Mm -hmm. They wanted the vibrant green ferns on their wallpaper. They wanted to wear emerald gowns. They wanted real or fake foliage on their hats. They just really wanted the countryside in their homes and at their parties. So they would wear, well, probably just women, wreaths of fragrant flowers. And then if, you know, fresh flowers were out of season or, of course, they didn't last long and they were expensive, Mm -hmm. then reproductions would do. So fake flowers became all the rage. And then women would go out to parties at night. And now that the rooms were considerably brighter, thanks to the new lighting, um, they wanted to make sure they stood out. So they would wear really boldly green dresses. And then this green, people, you know, put it everywhere, wallpaper, carpeting. It was said, especially Victorian Britain was, quote, bathed in green. Hmm. Sounds pretty. Yeah, I know. And the pictures are actually really lovely. So it turns out green is notoriously hard to get right with dyes. I did not know this. And when you do find a nice shade, it tends to fade. Mm. So in addition to wallpapers and carpets, um, of course, it made its way into human bodies like we talked about. And not just dresses, it was waistcoats, shoes, gloves, and trousers. Empress Eugenie, the Empress of France, um, she was married to the third Napoleon, okay. which was the nephew of the Napoleon we know. Gotcha. Um, she was the notable it girl of her time, in addition to Queen Victoria, of course. Mm-hmm. And she adored green. It was said that at one night at the Paris Opera, she wore a ground, a gown so breathtaking, it made newspaper headlines the very next morning. It stated the dress was a spectacular deep set green with colors so vivid to remain unchanged by gaslight. And she loved green because she thought it brought out the gold in her hair. And the Paris Review article said, quote, and even if that wasn't true, the gold dust she sprinkled in her hairline certainly helped. <laughs> wow. She is fashion. She is the moment. She is the moment. So can you imagine being like, I want to be her. But she has good quality mm-hmm. because she's literally an empress. Yeah. So it's like actual gold dust. <laughs> she owned several yeah. Colombian emerald necklaces so as well as an amazingly extra emerald and diamond headpiece, well which is known around the auction circuit as the Donner's Mark Tiara, which I looked it up. Which it is, is stunning. stunning. Yeah, you're going to be blown away. Um, it's full of 500 carats of emeralds and the most expensive tiara to ever be sold at auction. It was um, sold for 7.5 million pounds. In 2011, I looked it up. Today, that would be 10.5 million pounds or about 13.3 million USD for just a tiara. And it's when you see it, you're like, well, I get it. It's pretty stunning. Yeah. But we know how influence works. There are literally influencers today. So she was, you know, pretty much an influencer. She couldn't help herself. Um, People look to rich and famous people to see how to dress, how to wear colors, what to eat. Um, of course, not everyone could afford such things, but um, we'll learn that this green, especially the dangerous one, was affordable and it was pretty and it made people happy. It made them think of a simpler time. So if it gave you a rash or an oozing sore, I mean, it's Victorian England. What wasn't going to give you a rash or an oozing sore? <laughs> exactly. So beauty knows no pain. Particularly. In 1775, 
was invented by Carl Wilhelm Scheele, a Swedish-German pharmaceutical chemist. The color was made through the process of heating sodium carbonate, adding in arsenious oxide, and then stirring until the mixture was dissolved, then adding copper sulfate to the final solution. Scheele invented this green almost accidentally, but he was thrilled when he discovered the bright hue that he could name after himself, no less. But it did trouble him as the color when it went into production. He told a friend he thought people would want to know about the poisonous nature. However, uh, he marketed it anyway. He's like, you know, he's like, but which ironically is the color green. I mean, not back then. It's probably just, I think the U.S.'s money is only green. Okay. So despite the character flaws, um, this green was so striking and profitable. It was not only cheap to produce, but it mimicked hues found in nature. It wasn't too yellow. It wasn't too teal. It was a middle green with full saturation, no gray tints, no underlying hint of brown. It was called a vegetal green, the color of fiddleheads and ivy vines. It was a garden color for city dwellers. And this allure of green was impossible to resist. I, right, yeah, and I think we are both green I want to wear lovers. just thinking about it. So yeah. when I saw the color, like when you see pictures, I would have been like, yes, I would have succumbed to that green. I'm like, I want it now, and I know it's deadly. What's a little rash? I'm like, I want it now, I know it's deadly. What's a little rash? No, I'm like, wait, it's beyond the rash. You'll find out. Another green that came on the scene was emerald green, which was also a combination of copper and arsenic. It was described as being the most vibrant of colors, and this was invented by George Field and produced by the Wilhelm Sattler Company in 1814 in Germany. Another name for this was Schweinfurt Green or Paris Green. And it was created to be an improved version of Scheele's Green. It was bluer, and it was described to look like an actual jewel emerald. And this um, successor to the green was more stable and durable, but it is still full of arsenic. It was also more opaque um, and durable than uh, any other color on the market. So, of course, people wanted it because it's not going to fade. So, of course, house paints, carpets, clothes, printer inks, shoes, hair accessories, and artificial flowers. It was used in detailing and patterning in wallpaper. It became so fashionable to deck your parlor or drawing room with scenes of stylized strawberry vines and blousey-headed green tulips. And it was apparent that if you could afford it, any and all houses had a form of this green in their house. So, it sounds nice, right? The dust from cheaply made wallpaper prints would flake off, making arsenic particles float in the air. The arsenic fumes would emit from the production of the arsenic, would release into the air under warm and humid wall. Oh, sorry, warm and humid conditions, it started to be known that children and the frail would die in green pattern rooms by rubbing against the walls or playing on the carpet. Small animals locked in arsenic green painted rooms would be covered in pustules. There were multiple effects of prolonged arsenic poisonings that would happen in polluted environments, such as cardiovascular disease, skin hyperpigmentation, keratosis, 
neurological problems and developmental disorders. People would also um, have arsenic ulcers in contacted areas. Yeah, um, I do not recommend looking at those pictures at work because I, I did a little bit of research at work and there were very detailed pictures of genitals from doctors notebooks at the time like they were an actual oh, medical journal but it was like if anyone sees this they're gonna be like oh, can i talk to you in the back yeah i'm, I'm like, like yeah i'm like how do i uh, talk my way out of this so in addition to that there was reddish and peeling skin happening on thin unprotected skin like uh, lips and nostrils um and then in addition to that People would suffer from nausea, colic, anemia, chest complaints, fatigue, and headaches. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, have you checked yourself like, for arsenic? like me on a regular day. <laughs> and then, the, of course, the muslin ball gowns that were very fashionable in this the, Victorian course, era. The, the green dye on these dresses um, were loosely dusted with powder, which would flake off and become airborne, especially while dancing. And it was said of women at the time, mm. quote, she actually carries in her skirts poison enough to slay the whole of the admirers she may meet within a half a dozen ballrooms, end quote. Very metal. Yeah. Sounds. But of course, we can chalk it up to um, many not knowing the toxicity of arsenic compounds at the time, which is true. However, they have found 19th century journals containing reports of children wasting away in bright green rooms, ladies in green dresses swooning, and of newspaper printers being overcome by arsenic vapors. And then an example of acute poisoning of children attending a Christmas party where dyed candles were burned. But at the time, it was also as ubiqui ubiquitous as plastic. So despite all of these symptoms, it was so common to find it everywhere because they weren't really sure where the symptoms were coming from. So it was also in, in candy, paper, toys, and medicine. So using it as clothing and accessory dye was very normal. It was like, we have no idea why this is happening, but please, you know, eat this candy. Right. It was Why said that some European countries had acknowledged the dangers associated with this color well before it reached the craze in England. But by the time Britain found out about it, um, they ignored it because it made so much money. One example, um, actually in Paris in 1859, Dr. Ange Gabriel Maxime Vernois a physician whom Napoleon himself would consult was visiting a flower-making wor workshop that suffered from a fatally ill staff. He noted that many of the male workers had ulcerations on their green hands, yellow nails, and crater-like scars on their legs. Female workers had poor appetites, constant headaches, and an anemic pallor. He watched them work and made the connection between their ailments and the green dye. He observed that men tasked with coloring the fabrics used for the flowers would apply green dyes directly onto the cloth using their bare forearms. And they often would have open wounds from the nails that held the cloth in place. So open wound wasn't necessarily from the dye, but it was getting right into their bloodstream because of those cuts. 
Women, on the other hand, would take the cloth and shape it into accessories, usually with their bare hands. Later, studies would conclude that less than one-eighth of a teaspoon, one-eighth of a teaspoon, which is so tiny, of this paint was a fatal dose, and these workers were working with it daily in gallons. After Vernois reported these findings, the French and German governments passed laws that restricted the production of arsenic-based pigments, but these, again, largely ignored by the British government. Another example was um, a girl in London. Her name was Matilda Schur, a 19-year-old woman who applied the arsenic green dye to fake flowers. Um, in, in 1861, she started to complain of nausea. She started to grow up, grow up, well, throw up green water. The whites of her eyes turned green. Her nose, mouth, and eyes started to foam. And when she died, she claimed everything she looked at was green. When people began investigating the workshops, such as the one she worked in, they found other women with similar distress, like one who had kept on working with green till her face was one mass of sores. Yeah, it's just the visual alone. Is, oh, I feel so awful for them. In 1862, physician Thomas Orton was called in by a couple by the name of Turner to investigate the mysterious illness that had killed three of their children and threatened the life of their remaining daughter. Earlier, doctors concluded that the children had suffered from diphtheria um, because their symptoms, you know, were very similar. However, Orton noted that none of the family's neighbors had caught the disease, leading to suspect another cause, the green wallpaper that covered the walls of their home. It had long been a rumor in the medical community that arsenic in the paints might be released under um, air in certain conditions, creating a poisonous atmosphere. So, of course, Dr. Orton believed this to be the case. He unfortunately was unable to save their daughter's life, and he immediately um, asked to conduct an autopsy on her body. Um he was able to get a test sample of her tissue and determine that the cause of death was indeed arsenic poisoning. At the inquest, however, the presiding judge found his findings, quote, objectionable, end quote, leading the jury to rule the child's death as a result of natural causes. Because, you know, children just die naturally. Don't know why, but passed away. Yeah. Don't know why, but just sweet passed away. I can't get rid of it. In 1871, uh, one lady purchased a box of green-colored gloves at a well-known and respectable house and was horrified to find her hands broke out in blisters after putting them on. Unless the dye was sealed, sweaty palms would cause the dye to run into the wearer's skin. At the same time, a foreign dignitary... Um, staying with Queen Victoria, told her that the wallpaper in his room started to make him ill. And further inspection, they noticed a mouse-like odor was being produced from the wallpaper. Yeah, but he was probably from a country where he they had already banned it. And what's gross is I, I looked into the <laughs> mouse-like odor, and it was like rat catchers could, there was like a certain smell of they could smell rodents, 
and it's like when your wallpaper smells like dirty rodents and it's like when your wallpaper it's time to get rid of your wallpaper so queen victoria instead of being incensed by having her um decor blamed she was quick to have the wallpaper removed and it was said ironically when people such like this foreign dignitary when they would complain about being sick, usually they were put to bed in those very spaces where the arsenic would have ultimately kill them. Like, oh, I'm so sorry you don't feel good. You should go to bed. You'll never wake up. Yeah. Despite this, especially in England, arsenic was everywhere. Bakers used arsenic green as food coloring, and restaurants would add it to their drinks. There was even a deadly Bradford sweets poisoning in 1858 when 21 people perished from arsenic-laced hard candies. And then 10 years later, UK legislators finally set limits on acceptable amount of arsenic in food. The acceptable amount is no amount. They're like, you know, just a little. Um, Although there were shades of blue and yellow made for the same process Um, that included arsenic, those dyes did not get quite the same bad rap as the Shields green and the Paris green. It seemed like green was always the culprit because it was so desirable at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, like, everywhere. Mm -hmm. The the blue and the yellow are like... Yeah, I was going to say because it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a movement to stop sales of arsenic-dyed dresses, at least, by uh, women. So female activists and wealthy women wearing these garments called for research, regulations, and restrictions on these products. Finally, in England, bills were passed to regulate the number of deadly chemicals that could be sold to a person with the Control of Poisons Bill and the Arsenic Act, as it was finally classified as an irritant poison by the 19th century, but... It, it had gone on too long. The production cost of polluting the environment as well as physical medical problems, stricken workers and their consumers who were in contact with the dye were finally the reason the dye fell out of fashion. The popularity of this type of green started to end in the 1800s. For example, countries such as Prussia prohibited sales of arsenic-colored pigments by the 1830s, and then um, finally Bavaria and France, they prohibited sales as well by 1845. In England and the United States, they banned the dye much later because they regulated free enterprises. Um, And then by 1880, um, home decor was finally discontinued using arsenic greens for their wallpaper collections. So it was funny. They mentioned how um, eventually this green fell out of fashion, much like the avocado green from the 70s in America. And now Shields green feels a little bit like a relic of the time. And while women continued to wear flowers in their hats, the flower making industry never quite recovered. Not only did the demand for fake flowers fall out of fashion, but reforms of the 20th century made it more difficult for flower makers to turn a profit because many of them relied on child labor because of their dexterous little hands, which is very sad. Yeah. Um, and then following World War One, women's clothing became much more streamlined and the elaborate decorations of the late Victorian period were seen as fussy and old fashioned. Um, because there were, were 
of course, um, ingredients in Paris green that were used for killing little animals like you know, uh, rodents and things. That's pretty much what it became. So by the early 1900s, um, Paris green was blended with lead arsenate um, to kill rodents in Parisian sewers. And also it was noted that the mixture could burn trees and grass when it touched it. So that was like, oh, I know. Paris green was also repurposed to kill flies and mosquitoes due to the risk of malaria. And there were large amounts given to farmers and soldiers to spray on puddles and other types of still open water during the First World War. During World War II, Disney released a wartime video explaining the effects of malaria to the lonely farmer and to use Paris green spray to kill flies and prevent illnesses from infections and diseases. The short was called The Winged Scourge and Scourge, 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 uh, and this is from 1943. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this is from 1943. This worked for a while, but eventually, <laughs> thankfully, environmentally this safer insecticides became more effective and commonplace. Still, um, this discontinued Paris green was used in small quantities in developing countries, which is sad because the last thing they need is arsenic. So, by the end of the 19th century, most of the arsenic greens were replaced with different colors used with just copper carbonate, which were still um, strong colors, but less deadly. Popular culture showed, um, for example, evil alien attacks leaving behind a toxic sludge, which looks similar to emerald green paint. The fear of green still has its vestiges in modern media. Green is seen as the color of malice. Uh, it's seen on the skin and clothes of movie antagonists. Some theorize that the use of green to denote poison in cartoons was directly influenced by arsenic green. It was only during the 1980s and 90s that green started to be seen again, again as a favorable color, which is because of an environmental movement, which was ironic because it symbolizes life. And then in the 2005 documentary, Signe Chanel shares their long-standing superstition of seamstresses don't like green. The fears of the color green came from Coco Chanel's bad experiences with the dye and the death that happened. And last but not least, many people speculate that Napoleon might have died because of the green wallpaper in his house. So he was defeated by the Duke of Wellington at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. And then, of course, as we know, he was sentenced to be exiled by the British crown to a small island called St. Helena. And so St. Helena was this tiny island um, where he lived with just a few servants. Um, and he stayed there till his death. And the house was formerly owned by the East India Company, but was renovated for Napoleon's stay, and he loved the color Shields Green. So every room had it on its walls. And the BBC radio production in 1980 discussed the mystery with one of their listeners. They said that they had an ancestor living um, on St. Helena who had torn a piece of the wallpaper in Napoleon's room as a souvenir. Uh, it had a small green for... Uh, Fleur de Lis 
designed with a lighter background, and when the wallpaper was analyzed, it contained traces of Shields Green. His whole house was covered in this wallpaper. His bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, all covered in the wallpaper, and it was his favorite color. It was speculated that the humid, humid air and uh, warmer air would warm up his house, making the arsenic lace room activated. Napoleon would have been breathing in arsenic-ridden air, making him weaker, and when a lock of his hair was analyzed, it showed that he had traces of arsenic in his body. It may have contributed to his other illnesses, um, adding to his fatality as he died of stomach cancer at the age of 51. Right, yeah, and it makes sense. Oh, I'm like, it probably was the wallpaper. So, um, otherwise, today yeah. you can purchase books that yeah. are still colored this um, same green that have traces of arsenic on the cover, and it's suggested that you wear gloves when handling them. Um, otherwise, arsenic-based clothing, unless it's in a museum, they have all largely been destroyed. And um, hopefully nothing will, like, will happen like that again. And that is the story of Shields Green slash Paris Green slash Deadly Arsenic Dresses of Victorian England. Oh, my gosh. Deadly Arsenic Dresses of Victorian England. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. And it was funny when you mentioned how, like, green is used so often to depict villains or poison. Uh, I remember seeing, like, a post a long time ago that was, like, how all the Disney villains, like, always Maleficent. have green surrounding them. Or, like, green in their design. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Scar. Her little, her little garden of people. They're all green yeah. and sickly looking. Her little garden of people. Uh-huh. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think the the evil stepmother yeah, queen the, on Snow White when she dips the apple, green. it's green. Be on the lookout, and it's green. Yeah, yeah. It, like everyone, be on the lookout. Of, You're like, this is the color. The green of you see in old <laughs> timey cartoons. The green you see. It's funny because now I think green has definitely had. Um, like a turnabout, like it's like cottagecore and pretty and people Mm -hmm. want it for like painting their bathrooms and their dental offices and oh man, that, wow, that was like the the millennial couch, our lives. I never had one. I never wanted Yeah. I never wanted it. It is very pretty. Uh, I think I the people it, get it because it's very pretty. Their cat <laughs> scratches <laughs> will not show up so much on red velvet. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, have you read any of the book? Uh, I think it's no, but I've always wanted to. Dresses or looks that kill. No, but I've always wanted to. I know it's it's really interesting. I heard the author be. Uh, interviewed on oh okay gosh, I forget what the podcast was but it's a nice. fashion history podcast and they talked about shields yeah too no I want to listen it's to really it interesting I'll have to find the podcast but yeah, yeah. So it's just like it. there's so much about history that you don't realize has been touched by something else I never thought Napoleon and Shields Green would have anything in common mm-hmm. I never thought Napoleon who knew? Well, we do now, right? <laughs> historians, yeah. historians that have. Who knew? Like, um, 
many degrees and years of experience. They're like, um, excuse me. Yeah. And now we can anyway. annoy people with those backflip parties. Yeah. Topic? Yes. Okay. Do you want to take a quick break before my topic? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Is that good? Sounded good to me. <laughs> my hands slid differently. Ouch. <laughs> All right. So now it is my turn. Yes, and I'm I so ready. We'll be telling you the story of Nanny Doss, aka the Giggling Granny, aka the original Black Widow. Ooh. So um just a quick trigger warning for child death and okay. uh, a little bit of essay, although I do not go into any detail. Okay. And my sources are a Murderpedia article. And all that's interesting article by William DeLong, and then uh, an article about Nanny on alabamaheritage.com, which is where I got most of my information. Good job, Alabama. Shout out to our Alabama listeners. Hey, Alabama. <laughs> okay. So Nanny was born in Blue Mountain, Alabama as Nancy Hazel to James and Lou Hazel. She had one brother and three sisters, and her father was very controlling, and he had quite a temper, and Nanny and her mother, and presumably all the other children, really hated him because of how controlling he was. Mm. She had an unhappy childhood, and she really struggled in school. She never learned to read very well because she didn't always go to school because her father would have her and her siblings work on the family farm, so they missed a lot of schooling. Ah. Yeah, well, nothing like some free child labor. Right. And when she was seven years old, her and her family were taking a train to visit relatives in southern Alabama. And when the train stopped suddenly, Nanny hit her head on the metal bar on the seat in front of her. And for years after, she suffered from headaches and depression. And later she attributed uh, this and her mental instability to the accident. So oh, it sounds no. like she got a pretty good head injury right. and presumably it was never looked at. Oh yeah. I'm, I guarantee he's like, <laughs> yeah. your head's hurt. He's like, get you're back fine. to work. Yeah. Keep plowing that farm. Yeah. You're five years old. <laughs> How old was she? I don't know. She was seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> but still, that's still. <laughs> and one of her favorite things to do as a child was reading her mother's romance magazines and she was a romantic and she liked to dream about her future and who she would marry, which, spoiler alert, quite a few people. Later, she took to reading the Lonely Hearts column. And it's so sad because she was quite a lonely child. And then it sounds like she was a pretty lonely adult, too. So Aww. she was kind of in her own little fantasy world. And her and her sisters were forbidden from wearing makeup or attractive clothing by their father. And he did this in hopes of keeping them from being molested by men in town, which unfortunately did happen several times. Oh my. So it seems like one of the few circumstances where he actually was trying to be a good father and protect them. But unfortunately, it sounds like they lived in a pretty rough town. Also, yeah, why is the town known for that? Right? <laughs> why is no one, no one's looking into that? Apparently not. Oh my gosh. And he also forbade them from going to dances or other social events, which 
I feel like really affected definitely Nanny's ability right. to interact with people, but I would imagine all the other children as well. And at 16, Nanny married her first husband, Charlie Braggs, a man she had only known for four months, and they had four children together oh. from 1921 to 1927. Oh, my. After that, the marriage fell apart, and they lived with Charlie's mother, and she had the same controlling behavior as Nanny's father, so that was an extra stressor on Nanny and their marriage. And both Nanny and Charlie tried to escape their unhappiness through drinking and extramarital affairs. The year that their youngest daughter, Florence, was born, their two middle daughters died unexpectedly of suspected food poisoning. Mm -hmm. And it's unclear whether Charlie suspected Nanny or if this was just like the last straw in their marriage, but he left with their oldest child, Melvina, and left the baby, Florence, with Nanny. And then later he came back to officially divorce her. Did he take the baby ever? It doesn't sound like he okay. took the baby. But it, I believe, yeah, Florence and Melvina, they both survived. Oh, okay. Why she decided to take out the two middle children, oh, I... He, oh, she did. Oh, she she's super guilty. Yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> she's very much Nanny. guilty. Yeah, so I don't know what her crazy thought process was there. And Nanny was then on the hunt for husband number two, and she did it through her beloved Lonely Hearts columns. And Frank Harrelson answered her with poetry and a photograph, Aww. which sounds cute, but this marriage was even more disastrous than the first. Frank was an alcoholic, and he was emotionally abusive, and she endured 16 years of a terrible marriage before she decided Whoa. that she had to do something about it. 16 years? 16 years. That's yeah. a long time. That's longer than her first husband. Yeah. But he left her because he's like, you're crazy. I mean, did he write his own poetry or did he just like steal it from somebody else? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it sounds like he, they were both terrible. Yeah. And before Frank met his demise, unfortunately, her next two victims were her grandchildren. Oh, no. No. Yeah. I, I told you. Lots of death. Nanny, you'd be bad. Melvina, uh, Nanny's oldest daughter, was married and gave birth to a baby boy in the early 1940s. And then two years later, she gave birth to a baby girl. And Nanny was in the delivery room and holding her new granddaughter. And within an hour, the baby was dead. And Melvina swears that in her postpartum drug-induced haze that she swears she saw her mother stab the baby with a stick pin. Oh my gosh. However, the doctor was unable to determine the baby's cause of death. And then six months later, which I don't know why she left her toddler with her mother after she thinks her mother killed her baby. I don't know if she just didn't want to believe it, but she left her toddler Robert in her mother's care and he mysteriously died from asphyxia and Nanny collected a $500 insurance policy that she had just taken out in his name. But shouldn't that go to the mother? I don't know. Apparently, grandparents could take out insurance policies on their grandchildren, oh too. Oh, my gosh. Which I don't know why that would be the case, especially oh. if the parents are still living. Right. But she was able to collect on that insurance policy. And then Frank's demise came as he was celebrating the end of World War II on a drunken bender. Of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Nanny, knowing her husband's alcoholic habits, replaced his corn liquor with rat poison. She then fled the state and searched for her next husband. Wouldn't he know it 
tasted different or if you're so drunk you're like <laughs> i have a feeling he's probably already super drunk he's and like this tastes different it doesn't matter i imagine corn liquor probably didn't taste great That's anyway true. i don't know maybe he was just like i'm ready to go i'm ready <laughs> I'm sorry. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She then moved to North Carolina where she met her next husband, Arlie Lanning. He had replied to her Lonely Hearts ad and married her after two days. Wow. In North Carolina, Nanny became an active member of the Methodist Church. And she already had people's sympathy because uh, they knew about her husband's habit of visiting local brothels. The new husband? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, she really knew how to pick them. Yeah, she's not very good at that. No. Well, they knew each other for two days. Yeah, too. that's true. Arlie soon died after several days of nausea, vomiting, and dizziness. Everyone was very sympathetic to Nanny and seemingly didn't suspect anything, even though she said he had been fine until she fed him his breakfast. Oh, She learned that the house had been left in the will to Arlie's sister, so she went ahead and packed up and skipped town, and the house was mysteriously found in a heap of ash and cinders. Oh. Nanny stayed with her mother-in-law, and a couple weeks later received the insurance check for the house fire, and then, you know, the check was, of course, made out to the sister-in-law because Mm -hmm. it was belonged to her. Right. And then Nanny's mother-in-law died mysteriously and suddenly... And she again skipped town and illegally cashed the insurance check. Oh, my gosh. So she's just on a tear. You can do a lot of things in the 40s. You really can. <laughs> Especially, I think, like, I'm not saying women had it easier, but I think people underestimated what women could do. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, this, like, sweet lady, she can't be murdering all these people. No. Or cashing no. bad checks. Yeah. Well, cashing good checks, but, but badly. Not for her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, She then went to Alabama to nurse her sister, Dovey, who was ill and bedridden. Dovey also died soon after Nanny's arrival. She's like, I'm here to nurse you to death. (laughs) Dovey's like, Poor Dovey. That's really sad. And also, isn't Dovey such a cute name? I was just going to say, Dovey is a very sweet name. Yeah. Poor little Dovey. Yeah. Even after three horrible marriages, Nanny still dreamed of finding true love. I don't think she would know what to do with true love. I don't think so either. I'm like, does she just really like weddings or yeah. does she just like killing people? I don't <laughs> I don't know. She needs a lot of psych, psychotic brain injury. Hell. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her brain injury. Yeah. So in the 1950s, she paid to join the Diamond Circle Club, which was a correspondence dating service. And she found... <laughs> what, if, what if Tinder renamed itself the Diamond, Diamond Circle, Circle Club? <laughs> Can you imagine instead of like these like really catchy names like Tinder and Raya, it's like Diamond Circle Diamond Club. Diamond Circle Club. <laughs> oh, that'd be kind of cute. It would. Um, she found husband number four, Richard Morton, through the service. And Richard was much different from her other husbands. He was a well-to-do salesman. He was handsome, and he actually treated her well. Wow. But after two months of marriage, she was already looking through local advertisements, hoping to find husband number five. So I feel like... You know when people have something good, they will sabotage it? I think you're right that she's like, oh, he's treating me well, and he's attractive and has a job. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. She's like, I have to ruin it for myself. (laughs) Um, So she was already looking for husband number five, and her mother complicated her plan by coming to stay with the newlyweds. 
and within just a few days after her arrival, her mother suffered extreme intestinal pain and passed away. Oh my. Richard soon after died after having his coffee laced with rat poison. So rat poison is just like her go-to. Right. That's like so sad though, because her mother sounded like she was pretty nice. Like yeah. sounded like she was a lot nicer than the father. And she's just like, oh, you're in my way. You're in my way. And then that is when she met her fifth and final husband, Samuel Doss. I was waiting for the Doss. Like yeah. every name <laughs> that came along, I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're not there yet. Yeah. Samuel was a very upright Christian man who didn't like to waste time or money. Nanny was irritated with his restrictions, though, and she left him and returned to Alabama. Unfortunately for him, he begged his wife to return to him, which was the worst mistake of his life. Yeah, he's he even... like, I dodged a bullet, but I want that bullet to come right back. He's like, she's so crazy. I want her back. <laughs> yeah. He even promised to not be strict with money and took out two life insurance policies on himself, of which Nanny was the beneficiary. Nanny did return and gave him arsenic-laced coffee, and he died a few hours later. So she was like, oh, wow, thank you for those two huge insurance policies that you took out for me. I will collect. And she's like, and real quick, will you just drink this? Yeah, just fresh. Like, uh, you really look like you need this Mm -hmm. cup of coffee. Uh, thankfully, the physician who treated him was immediately suspicious and performed an autopsy and found the evidence of poisoning. Oklahoma authorities, which is where she was residing at the time, was Oklahoma, arrested her on suspicion of murder. Detectives apparently had a hard time getting her attention because she was too enthralled with her Romantic Heat magazine. Oh, which gosh. is such a, I'm like, I don't know what type of magazine that was, but that is a real gross name. I really hope it's... Not what I'm thinking. I know. I don't. I don't know. I know. When they took They're it, they're like, away- "Ma'am, please, ma'am, please look away from that." <laughs> ma'am, could you not do that? Yeah. When they took it away from her, she giggled and flirted with them like a young girl, and she finally confessed to murdering her husband Samuel. The reason she gave, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. The reason she gave, he wouldn't let her watch her television show or turn on the fan during hot summer nights. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a terrible reason for terrible. murder but also that would make me grumpy too i'm like look i get it we hot were... nights are unbearable we were just uh... talking about how grumpy we get when we're overheated yes oh, okay uh she then oh, promised to give them more information as long as they returned her magazine to her she then confessed the murder of her other husband's after her, I can't even imagine the officer is like, sure. I and guess. so he's just writing stuff down and he's like, he keeps being like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She's like, I need more paper. I know. He's, <laughs> she's like reading her magazine and like flirting with him. Uh-huh. And he's just like, you're she's crazy. Licking her finger and turning the page. And she's like, and then this guy, and he's like, another one? <laughs> How many husbands? Yeah. After her confessions, she became a national media sensation. Reporters were always trying to get interviews with the murderous granny who always seemed to be laughing or giggling. While Nanny was awaiting sentencing, the bodies of her eight victims were exhumed and autopsies revealed arsenic in her deceased husbands and her mother and her other victims showed signs of smothering. Nanny pleaded guilty to murder and was sentenced to life in prison 
Although, interestingly, she never admitted to the murder of any of her biological family members. Of course. And then, yeah. She would do that. I know. I'm like, I don't know if that is, like, a sign of remorse. Like, if she felt more ashamed of that than her husband's or if she was just like i'm not gonna tell you these probably yeah it's hard to say yeah and then she died of leukemia in prison in 1965 oh my gosh that is yeah i what's so creepy to me is that she it seemed to just like not be phased by it and Mm -hmm. was just seemed flattered by the press's attention and would just always be smiling and giggling whenever she would answer questions. So no remorse. She no was remorse. true sociopath. Sociopath with definitely, I think, some sort of brain damage or arrested development. Oh, yeah. And narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. I'm like, definitely a lot going on there. But I'm like, she the way she acts sounds a lot like like a child yeah like a terrible child very terrible yeah she's like oh you're not gonna let me watch my tv show i'm gonna kill you he's like no you can't watch murder you murder murder you wrote (laughs) murder murder she wrote yeah she's like yes i wrote that murder exactly but i was like good job to her first husband for just dipping out of there he's the only one that didn't get murdered could you imagine when he found out (laughs) that he was the only surviving husband yeah, he's probably like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he must have he suspected. Must have suspected. Yeah. I'm just amazed that she didn't kill her other two daughters. Yeah, I don't understand. I wonder if the middle daughters, they both did something that irritated her. Maybe. Because she has not, nothing about her says logical, reasonable no, thinking. absolutely not. It could have been anything. Or she's like, I only wanted two kids. Or, or yeah, she just randomly picked. Yeah. Ugh, that is horrible. Yeah, I, I feel, can't even imagine. I feel so terrible for her daughter that both of her children were murdered by her own mother. Yeah. Ugh. No. That's I know. Nanny. I know. So that is the terrible story of Nanny Doss. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I can't remember that. I feel like I've heard that before. I've, I've, I mean, I've definitely heard the name. Mm-hmm. The, like, the Lonely Hearts yeah. killer. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the many names. One of, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She has a lot of them. But, yeah, that was that yeah. was really interesting. I know. It makes me think of Rear Window. Yes, the Lonely Hearts lady. Mm-hmm. Although she was just sad. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit arsenic and old lace. Yes. Which, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good movie. It's like if... One of the old ladies from Arsenic and Old Lace was the Lonely Hearts lady in Rear Window. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, I just rewatched that the other day, Rear Window. That's was, right. Yeah, I'm so happy. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it was really sad. It, it occurred to me. I was like, oh, Grace Kelly, she's so beautiful as Lisa, and I want to be like her. And then it occurred to me that I – actually identify more with jimmy stewart in that movie because i'm like what are the neighbors doing over there yep same yeah ignoring everything else yeah and then staring out the window and being like i think that guy's a killer and i'm gonna prove it my husband's like trying to get my attention i'm like but what's that weirdo doing yeah i'm just we all want to be a grace kelly but we all realize we're a jimmy stewart we're old jimmy stewart Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm 
just a fact of life. I mean, there's worse things you oh, could yeah. be. You yeah. could be Nanny Dots. No, I don't want to be her. No. Like, I don't, I, ugh. I'm like, that lady is terrible. She is terrible. I, like, kept reading and I was like, oh my gosh, how many people are going to die? It's a good thing she got caught, too. Yeah, that she doctor had kept going. She would have kept going. There's, yeah. yeah, there's no way she would have stopped until someone stopped her. I just want to know what was going on with the doctors in the other areas because this doctor was like, oh, this is super obvious. Mm. Like, he immediately suspected her. Right. Yeah. Some doctors are like, I got a lot going on. Yeah. This guy's like, he's like, not you me. You are crazy. <sighs> wow, that was a good one. I like the theme. I mean, it's a terrible theme, but I mm. like that. I like this. I know. This plan. I can't wait to decide what our next. I theme know. Will be. Oh, it could be anything. It's gonna be freaking very fun. Yeah. Do you have anything you would like to add? I don't think so. I was trying to up. think if there was anything that I was going to say. If there was, then I have forgotten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> it was a very hot day. Mm -hmm. It's a smoky day. There's fire yeah. nearby our, not that close, but it's in our state. Mm -hmm. and, hot and uh, smoky. Hot and smoky. Is what you want, like, your steak to be, mm. but not the outside. Not your lungs. No, definitely <laughs> not your lungs. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else to say? I don't think I do. I always feel like I have, there's something I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll say that later. And at the end, I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm we're, like, that's all folks. We're just like so engrossed in telling our stories mm -hmm. that we just forget. Yeah. But if anyone has any theme ideas, definitely comment or email oh, us. Idea. Yes, email us, mm -hmm. oddlycuriouspodcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Our Instagram is oddlycuriouspod. Our TikTok is oddlycuriouspod. <laughs> Our Redbubble, which has merch, is oddlycuriouspod. Oh, yes, and I now have our um, cute little oddly curious crow gracing my laptop. The laptop that records and edits mm -hmm. our episodes. Yeah. It's got to be the little mascot. It's the mascot. Mm -hmm. It's the mascot because that's you hear. You hear it first <laughs> at the beginning of the song. The other day, my mom was like, your theme song actually scares me sometimes. And we're like, good. I know. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's supposed to instill a hint of fear and a, a hint of curiosity. And you're like, what's happening with this song? What's happening with this story? Who's Nanny Doss? Oh, my God. I still can't believe, like, how well the guy nailed it. Yeah. That... Do, do you remember his name? I feel like we should give him a shout out at yeah. some point. I think we, yeah, next episode, I'll look him up. He was, he was like, I gave him criteria. This is what we're looking for. And he's like, so here's the thing. And we gave him the most bonkers, like, mm -hmm. all over the place. We're like, we want this and this and this. And he's like, I know what you mean. He said, I got you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's it. Also, good idea. Maybe we should do um, like an Instagram question of what, what yeah. themes would you like? Yes. What are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Tell us what you want. What you really, really want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, please, I really hope someone says. Zig-a-zig-ah. 
it'll be me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, that's all from me. Yeah, that's all we wrote. That's all. <laughs> I literally wrote a lot. I, I wrote so much about the color green. After a while, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much, so much material for this color mm-hmm. that at one point I just was like swimming in green information. Don't swim in the green. Yeah, I'm like, and this is, yeah. It's, so I actually, I trimmed a lot. Mm-hmm. There was so much more I could have added. But I realized it was basically like a hundred years of green that it's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Well, it was very interesting. Yeah. So, but thank you. Yours is also very interesting. Thank you. And I'm now afraid of giggling grannies. Yeah, you should be. Mm -hmm. Yikes. But on that note, um, remember to be odd. And be curious. And don't poison anything. No, don't, anyone. don't ingest poison and don't poison anyone. Yeah. And remember that green is not a bad color. Just don't purchase it from the turn of the century. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, be wary of head injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of your concussions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next time. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.